Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Holman Park Baptist Church. We're going to finish up Matthew chapter 8. We see that we're talking about bringing peace to a tortured soul. The pace of this world can be pretty fast today, can't it? Seems like everything is going crazy. We've got hectic schedules. We've got demands, people always wanting our time, and especially people always wanting our money. And I didn't know when I got older that all of my mail would be bills. But uh, there's plenty of people that are asking for your money, right? But not only that, we see that in this crazy world that we just want peace. Last week, we saw Jesus taking the disciples out of their comfort zone by putting them in a boat, and he made them endure a storm, a very nasty storm. But the trick is, Jesus was in the boat with them. And so they realized in that storm they needed Jesus, and they cried out to him. But today we pick up the story where they land in that boat. The storm has subsided. They land on the other side of the shore of the Sea of Galilee in a little town called Gadara. And their lesson has not been finished yet because Jesus has another storm to calm. The storm that he's going to calm is not one of winds and rain, but the storm inside a man's soul. You know what that's like to have a storm in your soul, to not be at rest, to have things pulling at you, to not feeling quite right, to feeling torn That kind of storm, I've been there. I understand that, and I'm sure you have too. And the storm of men's souls. And out of one storm, they go into another one. And here we see Jesus bringing peace to a tortured soul. So my question for you to kind of center this up is, where do you find peace? Where do you find peace? That's only you can write it down in your little notes or put it in your phone or or just put it in the post in your mind. I just hope that you can keep it there. But where do you find peace? I was speaking to one of our members last Tuesday during our visitation time, and she said, you know what? I love to go out on the porch every morning and just sit on my porch and start my day. That's where I'll get close to God and find my peace for the day. I ask you, do you have a place to go? Do you have a memory to treasure? Do you have a time with God where you can tune out the world and find his peace? If you don't, I strongly encourage you to find that place. A place where you can shut out the world for just a few minutes and find God. Maybe just take a few minutes and read the Easter Code devotionals of these books that we gave out. If you don't have one, we have them available for you right here. We need those places to go. For some people, it could be driving in your car. There's these things called podcasts where you can actually download them on your phone and you can have devotions from some of the greatest speakers in the world help center you and help you find God. And for for others, it might be just a small corner in your house or a small corner in your office or just somewhere, maybe even a back porch, maybe even a swing, wherever it may be. But we need to find peace. We need to get in God's word. But you see, once there was a king who announced a prize would be given to the artist who could paint the best painting, depicting peace. But you see, there 
with so many people that wanted to, many painters that wanted to enter that contest. And one of the pictures was of a calm lake perfectly mirroring a peacefully snow-capped mountain. And overhead was a blue, clear sky with fluffy, fluffy clouds. And the picture was perfect. And most of the people who viewed that picture thought, well, that's going to be the winner. Well, but when the king announced the winner, everyone was shocked. Why was he shocked? Because the one that he picked was the picture that won was the mountains were there, but they were high and they were rugged and they were tough. The sky looked very angry and there was lightning and this did not look peaceful at all, but it looked like the artist had mistakenly put the wrong painting in the contest. But anyone who looked closely at the painting could see a tiny bush that was growing in the cracks of the rock of the mountain. And in the bush, there was a mother bird who had built her nest. And in the midst of that angry storm, that mother bird and her babies were resting in that nest. Folks, that is peace. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is trusting God in the midst of it. So I believe that we have done enough to set up the passage today. You see, the storm Jesus heals today is a storm of the soul. And we see two men who are tormented by demonic spirits who are desperate for peace. So my friend, if you are desperate for peace today, then take heart because Jesus is here. Now, let's go ahead and look at our passage this morning. Matthew 8, verse 28. He says, when Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of Gadarenes, two men who were possessed by demons met him. Yes, that's what it says. For those of you that that aren't biblical uh, scholars, you haven't maybe read this story before, first time hearing it. Yes, two men possessed by demons approached Jesus. They came out of the tombs and were so violent that no one could go through the area. Folks, they were crazy. They were living in the tombs. They had been pushed out of there and they were possessed. Now, just a little side note. I'm not going to go too far into this today, but I'm going to tell you that demonic possession is real. I'm going to tell you that it's not like what you always see on the movies They sensationalize it. It is dark. It is cold. It is awful. And if you've ever experienced it, you know what I'm talking about. But that's another story for another time. Don't write this off as just another story about the boogeyman. This is real, and I'll show you why. This place that they were at, Gadara, was a part of the Decapolis, which was made famous for their tombs. So if you've got to be famous for something, I guess your graveyard is good to be famous for. But a matter of fact, Mark gives an account of this same story in his gospel. And he says, when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil, unclean spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. Now, just a side note for all of you that maybe caught this. Matthew says that there were two men. Mark says... There was one man. You cannot say, ah, there's, there's an error. I knew that Bible wasn't the inerrant true word of God. 
One says two, the other one says one. That is not a mistake. What it means is that Mark says there is one, which means that's the guy that he was talking to. It doesn't mean that there wasn't two, but it means that there was one that he was addressing. So we have two men that have been possessed by demons who have been outcast to the community. If you want to know what that's like, what it looked like to be an outcast, it says in Mark chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, he says, This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Wherever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Evil wants to separate you. Satan wants to separate you. Satan wants you to hurt yourself. Now, when I read that and I see that that demoniac had superhuman strength, I've seen that happen before. When I see that he was cutting himself, I know teenagers that have done that. I know adults that have done that. So don't tell me this is a fairy tale. Don't tell me this is not real life. Satan wants to separate you. From your strength. And these men would be seen as outcasts. Folks, we have outcasts all around our community. Some are outcasts because they decide to be. Others are outcasts due to mental illness. And yes, some are definitely under the influence of evil. Do not discount that. Now, I'm not going to go around and just say anybody that's not acting right is demon-possessed. That would be short-sighted. That would be... Too judgmental. But we do have to open up our minds to the fact that that is a possibility. Because, my friends, demons are real. Demons are real. The, the, especially Baptist churches, we don't like to talk about that. That's too uncomfortable. That's too, too way out there. But the truth is, look, my friend, is that demons are fallen angels. If you believe in angels, you've got to believe in demons, Right? Because when Satan and all of his followers were kicked out of heaven, they became fallen angels, which means they became demons. So, my friend, if you believe that you have been touched by an angel or that you've got a guardian angel or you've got all these angels that are around you, angels unaware, you've got to believe in the other side of it, too. That there are demons that are out there seeking to take you down, seeking to take your family down. If you don't believe me, listen to Paul. In Paul's words, in Ephesians six twelve, and I'll put it on the screen for you, it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. In other words, he's saying, look, there is no missile big enough to take care of the Middle East. There is no gun big enough to stop these shootings. There is no, there is, we got to do what we can. But the truth of the matter here is that he says that we are fighting against something that we cannot see. He says we are fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. When I was preparing this message, I was already praying that God would put a hedge of protection around us. 
Because I know that as we talk about devil and we talk about demons, they're not all powerful. Jesus is more powerful. But when we start talking about that, the world doesn't like it. And I have seen demonic interference. I have seen Satan try to get the best of somebody. And we are here by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus. Every time we meet. Look at what Satan takes away from this man. He takes away his sanity. He takes away his self-control. He takes away his relationships with those that he loves. He's not living at home. He's living in the tombs. And he's also going to be judged eternally. Look at what society did to him. He's in need, yet he is restrained. He is cast out. He is judged. And all they can do is send him away because they cannot or do not want to help him. Folks, that is what society does with people they don't understand. That is what society does with people that we are threatened by. And I, I, we could go into a whole other direction about mental illness of people that are out in the street, and it is real. Some of it is, is documented, and some of it is because of drug use. Some of it is because of family issues. And look, it's not up to us to diagnose what's going on. But it's up to us to be honest and obedient and compassionate when God leads and when we can. Because Jesus will deliver anyone who comes to him. Anyone. And by anyone, I say, and I mean anyone. Anybody that's in bondage, anybody that's battling addictions, he did it then and he will do it today. If you are here today or listening to this on your phone or your podcast or wherever you're listening to this at, I want to tell you that you can be delivered today. The same deliverance you are about to read of can be for you today in the midst of your worst habits on your worst day. That may be why God brought you here this morning. The second thing that we see, that even demons believe and bend to Jesus. Even demons believe and bend to Jesus. It says in verse 29 of chapter 8 of Matthew, They began screaming at him, Why are you interfering with us, Son of God? Have you come to torture us before God's appointed time? Underline God's appointed time. Or make a note of that, because we're going to come back to that in just a minute. Look at this, folks. When evil gets its hooks into you, it does not want to let you go. The demons had power over this man, and they didn't want to give it up. That is why they didn't want Jesus to interfere with them. We learn from Mark 5, 9, that there were up to 2,000 demons within this man. 2,000. How do we know that? It's because their name was Legion, and Legion could have meant... That was a Roman army term, which means it could have been a group of 2,000 soldiers. He says, you can see it in the lives of others and may have seen it within your own life. Maybe a bad decision, a bad habit, or a relationship that invites you into evil, into your life, and then it begins to drive a wedge between you and God. Folks, the Holy Spirit of God and evil cannot coexist together. Neither one of them can do anything if the other is present. My friend, Satan knows your weak points. Satan will take every advantage 
of every door you give him. He does not play fair. He will use your physical cravings. He will use your emotional needs. He will use those that you love against you. We have to remember who Satan is. Let me show you this. And there's a few verses I want you to to remember is that number one, we need to remember who Satan is. Number one, he is the devil is the father of lies. The devil is the father of lies. Number two, he is the deceiver of nations. And the third thing is he disguises himself as an angel of light. I've got news for you, folks. Satan is not some pitchforked tail kind of person. He is beautiful. Think about the sin that you've had in your life. You didn't do it because it was ugly. You thought it looked beautiful. He disguises himself as an angel of light. Yet, he takes us down. You see, Satan will do whatever in his power to make you not take him seriously. Folks, we're all guilty of not having a serious attitude towards demons. But here's the thing, and I'll show this to you. We know Satan exists, but many of us still fall into his subtle trap of hoping he'll leave us alone. But Parsons said that. We know that he exists, but I'll tell you how I know that. Too many Christians today are living for what they can get out of heaven, but they're not living like there's a literal hell. If there was a literal hell that we were afraid that our friends and family and co-workers were going to, we would learn how to share the gospel. We would be bold in our faith. We would invite people to church. And we would do what Jesus has called us to do. But too too often it's what I can get out of it. And I'm not going to take this stuff seriously. You better. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Notice they call him the Son of God. The demons. Called Jesus the Son of God. This title proves that they knew the divinity of who Jesus was. The other week we heard the title Son of Man, which emphasized Jesus' humanity. This, they know that he is straight from heaven. They know he has authority by calling him the Son of God. The demons had the power over that man. But Jesus has the power over them both. Because he is the Son of God. And don't miss this. I told you I'd come back to it. At the end of verse 29. Have you come to here to torture us before God's appointed time? Folks, even the demons knew that their judgment would come one day. Like I said a moment ago, we live like there's no hell. We live like that that's just, you know, something that some preacher made up to scare people. No, it is an appointed time. You don't believe me? Take a demon's word for it. That there will come a day where we are judged. We have established so far the the evil nature of the demons. We have seen the separation that occurs When evil enters our life, we have seen the true character of Satan, and we have seen the all-powerful sovereignty of Jesus. So where do we go from here? We see here in our next point, deliverance requires sacrifice. Deliverance requires sacrifice. It says in verse 30, There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding in the distance. So the demons begged, If you cast us out, Send us into that herd of pigs. 
Then Jesus just said three words. He said, all right, go. And it says, Jesus commanded them. So the demons came out of the men and entered the pigs, and the whole herd plunged down the steep hillside into a lake and drowned in the water. That seems awful. And I'm sure that there are some people like even myself. I love animals. I feel for the pigs. But the truth of the matter is, those demons were going to take that man down. And I want you to see the value that God placed on a man that everybody else devalued. You see, Jesus did this for the demoniacs. He delivered them. So he will deliver you. You don't believe me? Look at the story. He came through a storm to deliver this demoniac. He delivered them with just saying three words. All right, go. And then Jesus restored them. In Mark 5, 1 through 21, you know what it says? It says that the demoniacs were now sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. Where did the clothes come from? I don't know. How were they sane? I don't know. But I know this, that Jesus not only delivered them, he made them whole again. When Jesus delivers you, he will restore you. It's not, hey, you're saved, now work it out. It's immediate. It's regeneration. It's becoming a new creature. That's what Jesus' deliverance does. And just as the pigs were sacrifices for the demoniac, Jesus was a sacrifice for you and for me. Hebrews 9.28 says this. It says, Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who eagerly await for him. Fourth point, and as the end of this passage, don't reject Jesus For what you fear you may lose. Have faith in what you will gain. I may have uh, talked to you. I may have said this last week. So if I did, forgive me. Maybe one person will be new for. But uh, I had the privilege of going out into the community a couple weeks ago. And and just walking through Homeland Park. And and sharing Jesus with people. And there's about seven or eight pastors doing that. And one of the pastors was telling me about a, a ministry that his church had over at Friendship Court over in the city. And he told me, he said, look, he was sharing Jesus with guys that could have been gang members. And they were so serious about making sure that people would come and pray for them. But when it came time for them to decide to follow Christ, they said, preacher, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to give up the weed. And there are people like that. There may be somebody in here today that it may not be we, but it may be something. It might be your freedom. It might be your choices. It might be your relationships. It might be your habits. It might be something that's taking you down. You say, look, I'll give Jesus everything, but you cannot have that. And if that's you, I'm going to tell you that one thing that you won't give Jesus, that's what he wants. Because he will not have all of you until he has that. Don't reject Jesus for what you fear you may lose, but have faith in what you will gain. When I look at what I lose, what I lost because of my faith, 
it does not compare to what I have gained. And I know many of you that are believers feel that same way today. Because Jesus does want what he wants. Unlike the pagan small gods that people worship, they don't control Jesus. They could not contain Jesus. His power is welcomed by the needy and feared by the proud. Jesus teaches us to be less concerned about our stuff and more concerned with our soul and the souls of others. My last question is this. Do you want peace today? Do you want your tortured soul to find deliverance and rest? Just like that demoniac. You say, preacher, I'm not a demoniac. I'm not demon-possessed. You may not be possessed, but you are under their influence. And so am I. (gasps) The preacher is under evil, under the influence of evil? Yeah. Romans says that we have all sinned and fall, not fell, but fall short of God's glory. How bad do you want peace today? How bad do you want deliverance? My friend, Jesus is here. And he's calling out to you today. Would you please stand? God, thank you so much for this message today. And, and Lord, when we, these things come together, Lord, it's all about you, not about me. And if there's anybody here today that needs deliverance from what they're going through, if there's anybody here that needs peace in their lives, Lord, I pray that you move among hearts, that you move among people. But dear Heavenly Father, If there's anyone here that needs to know you as their Savior and Lord and to start clean and to be restored, may they come forward at this time. If they are scared, they can grab the hand of somebody and bring them with them because we're not going to do anything but love them and encourage them and help them to grow. Maybe someone wants to join this church or be baptized. Whatever their decision may be, this time is for you to work. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand? 